Um, can you hear me okay? Is it coming through? Okay, cool. Closer. Okay. Um, we, we're basically doing a series um, whose core theme is that the church is not all about Sunday. And it's about us actually going into the community, into the marketplace, and to start sharing and demonstrating God's love. Um, and it's um, really our role as we go into the, into the, into the marketplace, into, our, into the work, into the shops, into schools, to really begin to push, push the kingdom of darkness back and actually replace it with God's light, light and with his love. And, and that's the, the essential core theme of what we're actually doing. And last week, um, Brad spoke about um, the glory of God really shining through, through, our, through in our faces. Um, and what's, what, what we wanted to do, what, what I'd like to do today is that Claire has, um, Claire, I hope you're there, <laughs> has, got a, has got a short testimony which kind of is, it links quite neatly between what um, Brad said and what I'm really wanting to say today. Thanks. Hi. <laughs> I don't usually do this, so <laughs> um, it, I just thought it, would, it was worth sharing because um, Brad obviously spoke about um, God's glory shining in and through our lives, and you know, I sort of took out my notepad to start making a few notes, and then he carried on, and I felt like I'd heard this all before, and I had because the last week I'd been at um, visiting a little church called Encounter with my mum, and um, the pastor had literally literally almost word for word um, revealed the same things and the same thing was on his heart that was on Brad's heart about the glory of God and how we need to push back you know the kingdom of darkness and literally that this new covenant that Jesus ushered in of his glory um, you know is something that is actually quite tangible and is actually really can be felt and seen by others and when we in the the previous service we had a chance to just really pray and come to um sort of come to understand what does that glory actually mean or, you know when we flippantly pray oh please lord can i just see your glory this week and whatever you know and you actually don't realize the the weight of your words you know when you ask for that same glory that you know rose jesus from the dead that spirit of the living god that lives in our heart to be revealed in your everyday life you actually need to be aware then that things are going to happen. And um, uh, the pastor, Colin, actually sort of shared um, that um, he had on his heart, woken up and felt he needed to go to this upholstery place, which is so random for him. Um, and he must get his couch upholstered. He must go to this certain place. And so he obediently went and um, he started to chat to the consultant there who... Um, you know, they're talking fabric or something. And um, and this guy sort of stopped him after speaking for a couple of minutes and said, um, he said to him, I'm sorry to ask you this, but do you um, take hallucinogenic mushrooms? And the, and Colin was like, uh, no, no. And he's like, but I need to ask you again, do you, t you know those things, hey? Um, do you take them? And Colin again was said, no, I don't. He said, because I need to tell you that your face is literally shining. It is literally, there is a light around it. So I feel like I'm the one, you know, on something here. <laughs> He's like, I can literally see a light coming out of your face. And um, 
And then, you know, Colin was able to share and just say, well, that would be the presence of Jesus, you know, coming out of, shining out of me. That's his glory. And, well, the guy was obviously like, you know, and, and then God ushered in this amazing chance and this man sort of started to just, you know, unpile his life, like right there and then. And, and um, he was able to really minister to him. And that was where that, you know, that glory, it's so real. It's so, it's, you know, you, you pray, well, let me reveal your glory to me and then... And there you have it, literally. I mean, we're not all going to have a shining face. but <laughs> um, And then just in my own personal life, um, that week literally after the service, we had an amazing time of prayer. And we were, you know, we really, I was, I really wanted to, um, I really believed in my heart that I also, I struggle with this and maybe you do too. But I, I really wanted to know that I was also included in that, that I wasn't one of the ones who didn't have that same power inside of my heart Jesus inside of me that I could also make an impact that there would be glory in my life for others as well and literally as I got home one of my friends from New Zealand phoned me and uh, we did a FaceTime and she uh, she's not saved and she just broke down on the phone and, and there was a whole lot of stuff that she wanted to tell me and for the first time ever I could just again like bring that love bring that compassion bring that glory you know to her life and I, I remember thinking uh, you know afterwards oh oh right that was that's prayer there it is there's that there it is it's answered you know um when you don't when you pray with a weight of you know that weightiness and you you believe what you're praying and you believe that glory can be manifested it really does happen and um for me I didn't have a shining face or anything but it it happened then and then Four days later, my son and I were out walking our dog, and um, we have a little park behind us. And then uh, there was a, a man that came sort of walking past, and he had a little cute beagle. And we used to have one, so we I just got chatting because they're naughty. And I was just asking him about the beagle, and we were just sort of chatting about random dog things and whatever. And the next thing, he's again just sort of stopped and wouldn't, you know, carry on. He started to just he started to unpack his life a bit, and. Um, <laughs> He had been through an awful divorce. His wife had left him. He had had no kids that actually struggled. I mean, all of this he was telling to me, and I'm just sort of standing there. And he just sort of obviously needed compassion and love and understanding. And I personally have been through, you know, the, the sadness and the brokenness of separation and divorce and all of that. And um, I just thought it was incredible because at the end he actually said, I have no, no idea why I stopped. I've never told anyone that, but I just felt like I could – and should just share that with you because you've made me feel so much better about what you said because I obviously shared little bits and pieces. I didn't Bible bash him, but I certainly, again, shared he wasn't saved. And, you know, again, my face wasn't shining, but it was that glory of God that just, you know, um, shone through and helped him. And he walked away and said he had a smile on his face for the first time in a long time. And that's those little things that God asks us to do to just bring love and compassion and understanding to all those who are so broken around us and yeah it doesn't have to be anything huge um you know in terms of like the face shining it just it's that it's that love that glory when you ask for God's glory to be revealed be prepared because he really does and wants to use each and every one of us so yeah Oh wow, that was that was awesome. I don't think I need to say anything more. Actually, <laughs> um, following on from that's going to be extremely difficult. 
but that was thanks so much, Claire, for sharing that with us. And it, and it really is nice when people come up and share because what it's actually demonstrating is actually God in action, and 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 that is for me, and I'm sure for you as well, very very encouraging. Good. Okay, today is a very unusual day. Um, Brad is on leave, um, and he's having a break, which is pretty unusual. And it's extremely unusual for me to be sitting up here, uh, or standing up here. <laughs> um, it's uh, definitely beyond my comfort zone. And I'm normally much happier sitting at the back there, doing the slides, you know. And, but um, anyway, today somehow the table's turned. Um, and, and I'm up here. Shana, I think I'm going to have to ask you to do the slides. Um, I'm not a good multitasker. I can't turn paper, hold a microphone, and click at the same time. Um, but, but essentially, if we just go back um, to how unusual it is today, um, my wife and I were invited by Gap Church, which is a church in um, Port Elizabeth, to go on what... what they do every two years, and that is they go on some kind of serious adventure. Um, and, it, and it tends to be fairly hectic because it's, you, you don't rest. Um, and it's an opportunity that they take to take people into areas where, particularly people who wouldn't normally be able to do it. And so, you know, we had with us in our car an elderly couple who would never have normally been able to go. And this was on a four-by-four kind of trip um, that, we, that we went on. And on that trip, there were, I mean, it was more than just an African adventure. It was a spiritual adventure as well. And um, there were two events that happened that particularly I really felt that God was saying I needed to bring back to, to Connect Church. Um, and I was sort of sitting thinking, well, I'm not too sure how I do this. Um, it's a little bit weird because I don't know how to bring these two messages back. Um, and then Brad just said um, to me, basically, could I preach on this particular Sunday? So I thought, whoa, no, that's kind of not my area. I said to him, can I pray about it? What is it that you want me to preach on? And he asked me to preach on 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 to 12, um, which, you know, I don't have total recall. I had to go back and read it, and it just, like, hit me between the eyes. It was totally in line with what um, the, a message that I had been given. So here I am. It's unusual. I now have an opportunity to, to give you a bit of a story about um, the holiday that I had. And... Um, and it quite nicely links in with what Brad was preaching last week about the glory of God shining through. And Claire just, it's, it, that story was awesome. You know, when, when, when you stand up there and in a way you deal with brokenness um, and you allow God's glory to shine through. And sometimes I personally find it difficult to know when is it that, you know, how do I, how do I actually minister in power? And, and that's really what I wanted to really talk about today. Um, right, if we could just go to the, oh, we've got to the next slide, that's brilliant, thank you. Um, the, the, the trip that we went on was, was a trip, and we actually went to um, Wangi. We went to a very remote part in Wangi, um, which is in Zimbabwe, and then we drove through to Chobe, uh, to the game reserve in Chobe, which the Chobe River is right in the north of, of Botswana, and the one side is Botswana and the other side is Namibia. And um, 
and I'm going to try and weave two of the events that actually happened there into, into what I'm talking about today. The, we, the place that we went to was a place called Ngweshla Camp, which is next to a pan that lies in basically serious lion territory. And in fact, it's the same. When we got there, there were lions around the camp, which is, as there was no fence, was a little disconcerting, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but it's actually the, the pride of lions that there. I don't know if you can remember, there was a dentist, an American dentist, who shot a lion called Cecil. Yeah, well, it was Cecil's pride that was there, and he's, he's been taken, his place has been taken by a rather magnificent black mane's lion, and they've called him Bullpen. Um, not too sure why, other than Bullpen is, has a colonial kind of thing, and it just seemed very strange that that's what they called him. But anyway, it was Bullpen. And when, when we arrived, there was, a, there was only one National Parks official at this camp, and he greeted us. And... Um, he said, you know, you told us a little bit about the safety and be cautious of the lions um, and told us where we could put up our tents. And then I saw him starting to walk off um, out of the camp. And I sort of said, where are you going? And he said, no, I've got to walk out and start a pump which um, brings water to the camp. And I thought, he's walking straight towards what there must have been about 12 lions. And I said, don't you want me to just take you in the car and we can go together and start the, the pump. And he, very, very, he was very pleased and said, yes, please, that would be great. So we, he sort of climbed into the car with me and we went off and we rather gingerly, both of us, got out of the car and we primed the pump and we started, to, started it going and that. And on the way back, we were chatting and we had a really nice, nice chat and he stopped and he looked at me and he said, there's something different difference about you. Um, so I sort of said, okay, <laughs> um, what's different about me? And he couldn't put it exactly into words. He sort of said, well, you're friendly. <laughs> so that might have been that I was friendly. And then he said, but I do feel that God has got a word that I need to give to you. And I said, well, that, that's awesome. Um, you know, do you want to share it? Uh, why don't you share it with us tonight? Um, we, we had planned to have like a worship time beforehand and then um, have dinner. So I said, come and join us for dinner and then basically bring, bring your word then. Um, and, and that night he, he gave, us, gave us the word. We invited him to, to dinner and we, we had an awesome time of worship. Um, if we can just move to the next slide. Okay, there we have. And Rory asked, asked, asked this man, his name is Charles Moyo, to, to bring the word. And Charles just very, very, he didn't speak for very long. He just said that I've got a word from Hosea 4, verse 6. And he said, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. And if you click again, thanks. And he said, and really... In a sense, the only way that the world can know Jesus is through us. And then he said, he then looked, he looked at me and he looked at everybody and he said, your time has come. And, and it was, it just, you know, it just like it was, it was like just something just hit my heart at that particular point. And I just thought, what he has just said to me, LinkedIn very, very perfectly with 
with the series of sermons and the direction that Connect is actually going. And, and that is really going out into the marketplace um, and actually showing God's love and actually God's power um, to, to people. Um, because the reality is, in this world, people who don't go to church, who don't read the Bible, who don't hear anything, how are they ever going to, however, are they going to experience God unless it's through us? You know, we, it's, the, it's the only way they're going to do it. And it is so important that we do go out and we actually act as the agents of change. Um, I don't think it was a message specifically for me. I think it was a message for Gap Church and essentially two Christians. And I just felt the burden to bring it back. And it was just so weird that I had traveled 3,000 kilometers to hear a word from a man in probably one of the most remotest parts of Zimbabwe um, that's, that was specifically so key to what we're doing as a church. And, and I just found that, that absolutely am amazing. And Okay, now the word, uh, my people are destroyed from, from a lack of knowledge. And, and essentially, that is so true. If people don't have the knowledge of God, um, they are going to perish. And without the knowledge of God, we will not only just perish, but we will perish eternally. And I'm not the greatest biblical scholar, but I kind of went and read through Hosea, and I realized what was going on. Um, it, it happened at a very dark time in Israel's history. And in a sense, his, the, the, the book is, is about Hosea, who sort of married a harlot. Um, and it was very much symbolic of what was actually happening between Israel and God at the time. And in a sense, because Israel had broken the covenant with God, um, you know, he was sending them off into, into exile. And in essence, it's the same with us, except there's one one major difference. God had a plan to bring them back. Okay? So they were perishing because they didn't have the knowledge of God, but God was going to bring them back. And, the, you know, what is so critical for us is that the, the message to us is that if people don't know God, they will be cut off. They will kind of get exiled into hell. Um, and there is no plan for them to come back. And, and that is a very sobering thought. So we have an, an, an astonishing um, responsibility, though, you know, who know Jesus, to basically share that knowledge. And, and that, what was so critical about that message that I felt Charles Moyer gave us. Um, and I think, I think that in John 1, um, 15 to 17, it makes it very, very clear. It says, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. And, and for me, it's very, very clear. It's, and it really is only through an authentic demonstration of God's love in our lives and our total dependence on God that the world is actually going to experience God. Um, 
And that's something we must do. And what really worries me, in, in a sense, is that if we don't do it, we, we're very like the, the church in Laodicea, which appears in, Re, in Revelations. And, and we have the knowledge of God, we've experienced God, we've encountered God, but we're not actually sharing that knowledge of God with the world. And, and in many respects, we are lukewarm. And in Revelations, you know, God is saying, I will spit you out. Um, and he is revolted by lukewarm, the lukewarm church. And, and, and that, to me, is, is a warning. And, and in many respects, what Charles Moyer said to me, or said to us, was use it or lose it. And I think as, as Christians, we need to take that very responsibly. And, and that came very clearly when he said the time has come. Okay? In fact, the time is always there when we need to be going out to do that. So if we move on to, to the passage that, um, that Brad has asked me to preach about, and that's 2 Corinthians 7 to 12. Um, and I'm going to link in what Charles Moyer said to us, this whole bit about the knowledge of God, and in a sense what Claire was talking about. Um, but let's just read it. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. And so then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Okay. Um, in, in essence, if we just click on the next bit. Okay. Um, no, no, not to worry. Okay, can we just go back? Um, you know, what is this treasure in that, that is actually, that Paul is writing about? Um, you know, this treasure that's going into this clay. And um, it's a bit of a rhetorical question, so you don't have to answer. But, but essentially, it's that, it's that knowledge of God that resides in our heart. Okay? And it's that knowledge and that power of God that resides in our heart. And if you, if you, you know, for me, it's an amazing picture because I just think of the power of God, how he is revealed in his creation, the beauty that's there, um, the, you know, the, the love that is actually displayed in his creation. I mean, I always have this picture of Cork Bay where the lighthouse is and you have that wave crashing against the harbor wall. I don't know if you've seen it. And it just powers up. I mean, it is just an awesome indication of God's real power. You, you think of the volcanoes that are out there. It's absolutely massive. And yet, he's chosen to put the knowledge of that and the presence and the power within us. His Holy Spirit resides in us in a jar of clay. Um, just the comparison between that is, is, is amazing. And, and basically, he's saying here that we like um, clay pots. And clay pots are made from dirt, you know, you know dust to dust. 
That's us. We're just, we're just dirt. In a, in a way, we're clay pots. And they're common. I mean, in Israel at the time, there were clay pots everywhere. In fact, wherever you go around the world, you'll find clay pots. And the thing about clay pots is that they break and that they bristle. Um, and they always have flaws, like us, you know. None of us is perfect, and it's very seldom you'll ever get a perfect clay pot. Um, push hard on a clay pot, and it'll actually break, and it'll crack. Um, and, and that's the picture that's been given. I mean, and when you do that, um, it's very, very clear that that clay pot containing this power, this awesome power, um, can only be done with the power of God. Um, we're hard-pressed, but we're not crushed. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. And we're knocked, we're, you know, we're knocked down. And, and I think, to me, it's just a very perfect, perfect, perfect picture. Um, but, you know, we are told that we're going to experience problems and that those cracks are going to actually happen. Um, and clearly Paul is telling us later on that we are to expect problems, to expect adversity and tribu tribulations. And in fact, Scripture points this out. And I kind of started to look through on Uncle Google at all the points um, where, um, you know, where we're told in Scripture. And I just thought I'd go and just show you these two. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, um, when you face trials of many kinds. And that's from James 1 to 2. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery, fiery ordeal that has come to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And that's 1 Peter. Um, trials are actually going to happen. Um, if you go to the next slide, um, you know, if you take a look at the, at the pots and you see the power that's in them, um, you know, it kind of reminded me of another story in the Bible about clay pots. And it reminded me of Gideon um, and what actually happens when those clay pots began to crack. Now, I'm sure most of you know the story of Gideon, how he took, took on 135,000, I think they were Midianites, um, an army of Midianites. And what God asked him to do was to cut down his army until there were about 300 soldiers. And then nowhere does it actually say that they carried weapons with them. The weapon that they had was a clay pot. And within the clay pot, they put a light. Um, and, and what actually happened when the time came to attack the Midianites is that they were asked to crack the pot. And the light shone out, and it threw the enemy into total confusion, so much so that they started to attack each other. And that is the picture that I have of the clay pots, of, of the power of God. It's when we're cracked, it's when things really go wrong, that's, that God's power actually begins to shine out. It, that is the opportunity when it actually, actually happens. Um, and Jackie and I had a very good example of exactly that when we were in, in Chobe. And I'm just going to go through. If you can go through to a slide for the Haha Camp, we it had been a really, really tough, tough, tough journey. It's a funny name, I know. <laughs> I think in Swaziland there's a there's an area called Hoho, and Ihaha and Hoho always always amuses me. And I, and Ihaha 
sounded as though it was going to be a fun place. It was a very tough place to get to. And in fact, there were seven cars that went there, and only two of us actually made it without getting stuck or having a breakdown. I mean, it really was seriously tough. Um, but we got, to, we got to Ihaha, and we had an amazing experience. It was a, it was a Sunday morning. Um, we were there. We'd been there a couple of days, and we decided to hold a time of worship and a service under these two huge big trees. And we settled on chairs under the two, two large trees along the bank. Now, on the one side you have Botswana, and on the other you have Namibia. And we had seen nobody along that boat, other, along that river, except for fishermen in a sort of like dugout canoes, and they would fish on the other side of the bank. Um, the river was teeming with crocodiles and hippos, so it was pretty, pretty frightening. And that Sunday, as usual, on the Namibian side, we saw these fishermen on a, on a, in a dugout come down and basically settle on the opposite side from us. And they spread apart, you know, about a, a half a kilometer to a kilometer apart, um, as they usually did. And um, we, we were sitting in a circle at one point, and Rory, who's the pastor of Gap Church, asked us to share what God had shown us on the trip so far. And we expected people to talk about the revelation of God's beauty and his animals and the beautiful scenery we saw, but instead it was actually very different. And in fact, people started to share how God's power had come to them in times of the difficulties that they actually had. Um, you know, I mean, one, one car broke down um, and literally 200 meters away from, from a pride of lions. Um, it was really, really difficult. And, and they really started to show how God's power had come through times of adversity and how, we need, how they needed to rely totally on our weaknesses. Um, and, at, and at one point, I looked up um, across the river, and to my horror, you know, I saw a crocodile um, start going through and the crocodile went for the fisherman and he just shrieked as the, as the crocodile grabbed on his, his leg and, and literally pulled him under the water. And what, what crocodiles tend to do is they try and stun their prey so they flip them up, they come out of the water then they flip them over to stun them. And, and what happened then was that the crocodile flipped him onto the bank and he was able to kind of grab it and, and get away out of the jaws of the crocodile. Now, we were sitting there, and we were absolutely helpless because there was no way we could swim across there. We, whoever tried to do it would get eaten. Um, there were no boats. We needed a doctor because we could see that his le leg had virtually been severed. I mean, he was bleeding to death, and we felt completely hopeless. Um, and, and the whole group just started to pray, and I jumped into my car, and I sort of rushed up to the little tiny National Park's office, praying all the way, saying, God, just do something, do something. Got to the office. The National Park's people kind of said, oh, what's happened? And I said, there's a man being taken by a crocodile. And, and when I said it's on the Namibian side, they were totally disinterested. And I, was, I, was, I really just wanted to shake them and just say, please, we need help. So the one lady came down with me, and as she, she, she got into the car, and she joined, me, joined us on the bank, and all she saw were people walk in, a, in a group praying. Um, and you could see she wasn't seriously impressed with that. Um, as we were praying, Jackie, my wife, looked up and saw a boat 
come around the corner on the river. Now, that river was very shallow and boats were unable to get through. And yet we saw this boat coming down with about 10 people in it. And so we all leapt up and started to shout and say, there's somebody, can you bring them, that person who's injured across? The boat stopped and to our amazement, there was a doctor on board the boat. And not only was he an ordinary doctor, but he was an A&E specialist. So he, that was his area of speciality. Joining him was a nurse. <laughs> I mean, it was absolutely astonishing. So they were able to stabilize him, and then they brought him across to, to us. And at that particular point, a police patrol came through. Now, we had seen no police, and to get to there, they had to drive down awful roads, 70 kilometers of, of sandy, rocky roads to get there, but they had done it came down and said, what's happening? So we said, this man's been taken by a crocodile. And they said, well, okay, what we'll do is we'll radio through and get permission to take him through the border back into Namibia to the hospital there. And as this young man was on the bank on our side, Brenda, who is um, Rory's wife, the, the pastor's wife, had this man's head in his lap and he was panicking and she just sort of stroked him, prayed for him and said, listen, we're Christians and we're praying for you. Um, you are going to be all right. And he just looked up at her and he said, my God is here. My God is here. Now, you know, that day we were totally weak. There was, I mean, we were a fragile pot. Um, and yet through prayer, we had this awesome experience where God came straight through. And he didn't He didn't just provide us with a boat. He provided us with the right doctor, the right nurse. I mean, it was absolutely awesome. And, and, and to me, that's the whole thing, just through, pra, through prayer and actually submitting ourselves totally to God because we could do nothing that particular day. Um, it, it, you know, kind of God, God showed his amazing power. And so the witness, in a sense, um, to the policemen, to, to even the, the tourists, they were German tourists, um, was astonishing because they had seen us praying all the time. Um, and, it, and it could only have been. And they said that they had not intended to come down as far on the river as they had. They had just explored. Uh, and the police, why they were there, I really don't know. But they were, and it was awesome. And so basically, you know, for me, that is another message. Just that was total submission to God, totally saying, God, we know you. We know you can actually solve the situation. And he did. Um, so, you know, if we take a look, um, I'm going to jump through because we're running out of time. Okay, so, yeah, we're perplexed but not in despair. Um, no matter how confusing or hopeless a situation is, we're just never in despair as Christians because we have this power with us, or we shouldn't have. With Jesus, our attitude to setbacks and to problems and opposition should be inherently optimistic. That should be our natural reaction to, to setbacks. And, and you know that sort of saying when, when you, you take a glass of water that's kind of sort of halfway, and you say to somebody, is this glass half full or half empty? Um, some people say, well, it's half full, and others say it's half empty, and others say, prove it to me that it's, that it's, a, that it's water. Okay, I think, I think as Christians, you know, we should be saying we know that it's water and it's half full. I think it's that optimistic, you know, we need to really actually demonstrate to the world that we do have the power of God within us. And we do have it. 
you know, and we can call upon God in, in difficult times. Um, we have his authority and we have, we have his power. And it really worries me and it, at times when, when you hear Christians, you know, complaining all the time about um, corruption and the politics and um, the drought and they kind of are joining the world in, in sharing the despair of the world when in fact we have got God within us. Um, he's on our side. For goodness sake, you know, he's conquered the world. He's right there with us. And it should be a very different story um, rather than whinging and complaining in many respects. Um, and the trials that we have, the trials that God promises us, don't have to be massive, massive, massive trials like this poor, this poor fisherman had. Um, they can just be minor setbacks. Um, you know, it's, you know, I, I, you know, just something that at work that goes wrong. Um, my normal reaction might be to just be angry. But in fact, you know, relying on God, it actually needs to be a lot, a lot different. So those cracks, when they appear, like with Gideon, is the opportunity for God's light to, to, to shine out for us. Um, and then I think if we can go to... Go to a slide which is um, where we go through the last, that's it. Okay, we always, so we go on from, from verse 10. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Okay, our body, the clay pot. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. And it's just that comparison. It's knowing in that situation where people know that we're weak, know that we're fragile, and yet somehow we triumph and we come through. It might not be in the way we expect it, okay, but inevitably there is a, there is a triumph of what actually happens. My, my godson was, was tragically murdered um, in, in Harare. He was a lovely, lovely guy, um, and it was an awful situation. He was murdered in front of his family. And it was, it was an awful situation. But what was so awesome about that is that at, in that time, at the funeral, he was a very popular young guy. He, um, he was a very good sportsman. And he was one of the leaders in the church youth group. Um, so many schools sent um, their senior pupils to his funeral. And that funeral was unbelievable. And hundreds of youngsters gave their life to Jesus during that time. You know, God just took a tragedy and he turned it into, into actually a, a triumph. Um, so then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And I'm going to read what I've written here because um, I was quite pleased with it when I wrote it. I thought it sounded quite good, so excuse my pride here. <laughs> so, the very flesh which left to itself is the source of corruption, moral and physical, is the excellence of the power of God within us, may, within us made the, which has been made the vehicle of manifesting God's um, divine life. Now that sounds very highfalutin, but it's essentially what I'm saying. It's really God's life is manifested in us. And when we suffer, we're clearly demonstrating the abject weakness of the fallen world and the very corrupt 
corrupt flesh, which is the clay of potters, it were, now contains the power of God and now manifests the divine, eternal life that we, all who know Jesus, will experience. And um, I found, I don't know if he's a well-known theologian, but he's a 19th century theologian, but I just love what he says here. God exhibits death in the living, and he exhibits life in the dying. And God's power, when we demonstrate it, is contrasted by our living within a depraved, corrupted flesh with God's power shining through. It's in our weakest moments, when we're hard-pressed on every side, when normal man would collapse and give up, give up that the power of God shines through us. Okay, so basically, quickly, in conclusion, expect trials. Um, but this is so that more and more people can see God's power demonstrated in our fragile bodies. Um, and that we need to live our lives as crepe clay pots, which when cracked shows the power, shows the love, and shows the knowledge of God, so that people actually experience Jesus through you. Okay. How else are they going to know Jesus unless it's through you? Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for what you've deposited in our heart. We thank you, Lord, that by depositing the knowledge of you, that we have access to to eternal life. And Lord, just help us to understand that when we face trials, um, when we are hard-pressed on every side, that it's just a blip when we compare it to eternity, and we we compare it to eternity in the love that you demonstrate to us and that we will spend with you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.